Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for May 4th, 2008. And this is a new study we're going to be starting here. The particular article I'm referencing is entitled Nephilim, What to Consider. It's from uh, Morell Ministries. And again, I don't agree with every single thing that, you know... Uh, every single aspect of their ministry. But this is a very good article, and I've been meaning to do this study for a long time, because what we're going to touch on today is um, the whole cloning issue of humans, the hybridization of humans, which is becoming well-documented, and this is, this is what they're admitting to, where they're actually combining humans with other forms of animals, and they're doing it in a laboratory setting. And it's all under the guise of stem cell research and the things of this nature. And this is what they're admitting to. Understand if this is what they're admitting to, they've done far greater things in the past. And the reason they do this and the reason they admit to these types of things is to gauge public opinion to see how far they can push the envelope. Okay? Because if there's no public outcry, they say, okay, great. Humanity's ready for this. This whole plain God thing. And we're also going to be looking at the Nephilim issue. And let's go ahead and just start out by um, reading a portion of scripture regarding this, this thing. We've quoted this a lot, but let's just go ahead and start this. Uh, Luke 17, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noe, which is another word for Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So in other words, when... Jesus comes back in, in the same days that Jesus is going to come back, which is essentially the day and time we're living in. Okay, It's going to be the same way it was as it was in Noah's day. And then it goes on to give here a description. As they did eat, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot... They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. So we're to look for things in the time before Jesus is going to come back as it was to be in the days of Lot and Noah. Okay, now in the days of Lot, obviously, we know what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah and what was prevalent in that day. Well, obviously, you know, homosexuality, sodomy, and these types of things... Um, men with men, women with women. Well, we see that exploding all over the world. We have no problem accepting that, though. We've noticed. But many Christians have a big problem accepting things that they would be as it was in the days of Noah. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were a reporter, and you were to go back to the days of Noah, and then come back to our day, what would be the number one story that you would be reporting on? Okay, what would be the main main thing that would be you know you'd be really wanting to report on? Well, let's I tell you what, let's just go ahead and let's go to Genesis six and let's see. You 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 be the judge, you be the reporter. Okay, so let's just start Genesis six, verse one. We're going to read verse one through seven and eleven through twelve for time's sake. Genesis six. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. Sons of God, who's that? Angels. At that point, they were still good angels. They were referred to as the sons of God. They had not fallen yet. Okay? Now, how do we know that this term, sons of God, is in reference to angels? Because it's also used only... This term, sons of God, is only used in regard to angels. It's used in Job 1.6 and 2.1. And then I believe one other place as well. Okay, remember, the Bible talks about comparing scripture to scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, in the New Testament, the sons of God uh, is referred to as basically a believer. But in the Old Testament, in that particular context... Okay, in that particular dispensation of time, sons of God are referred to as the good angels. But in this case, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They were beautiful. And they took 
them wives of all that they chose. These are, this is when the angels fell. Or at least a time when a portion of the angels fell. Okay, obviously Satan had already fallen with a third of the angels. These might have been other angels that fell. It's hard to be dogmatic about that, okay? But obviously they're angels that fell. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he is also flesh in his day shall be a hundred and twenty years. After the flood, the longevity of man went down to about, you know, 120 years max. Whereas before that, like Methuselah, they're living, you know, 900 some years. Now there's a lot of reasons for that. The person that's done the best job of explaining the pre-flood environment is Dr. Kent Hovind. And he goes into that whole thing in detail, and you can get his creation tapes on the internet. Dr. Kent Hovind, Creation Science Evangelism. I believe it's tape two on his seven series sites. It's fascinating, fascinating. But you can honestly see there's a physiological reason, and God permitted it, why they could actually live to be 900 years old. The earth was a totally different environment, suffice it to say. Okay? But that was another punishment for this whole thing. That, that happened here in Noah's day, I believe, because the Lord, what does he say first? He says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. It was grieving God what he was viewing on the earth. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. One of the punishments for this, and the first one God mentions, is that my spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is also flesh, and his day shall be 120 years. He reduced life expectancy by about, probably around seven to 800 years. Verse 4. There were also giants in the earth in those days. And also after that. So see, this isn't the only time that we have angels, fallen angels, procreating with women. It says also after that. Well, how do you know that? Because when the Jews went into the promised land, what did they encounter? Giants. Talks a lot about that. After the flood. Now, whether these were further good angels that fell... I can't be dogmatic, but we know it. We know that after that there were also giants in the land. But if they fell at one time, it's no stretch to think that more couldn't have fallen at a later date. So, there were also giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. Oh, and then also, I've done several teachings on this subject. If you enter the word in Nephilim into my... Uh, there's a little um, search box on my webpage, on the homepage. Just enter in the word Nephilim and you can read. I've done extensive studies on this. Okay, so I'm not going to go too far into this today, but um, we want to definitely touch on it. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. Okay, that implies that they're having you know, sexual union with them. And they bear them children. The women bore the sons of God children. The same became mighty men, which were men of old, men of renown. This is where we get a lot of the Greek mythology and these types of things. Actually, a lot of the basis for that is in truth. It may be embellished, but the basis for a lot of this stuff is actually because of things that actually happened. Verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That was the fruit of this union, in part. Wickedness of man was great on this earth. This was not a good thing. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had, even, that he had made man on earth, on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now, we're going to look later at why, why I believe God had to destroy not only man, but also the beasts, the creeping things, the fowls of the air. Why would he have to do all that? Well, there's a reason. We're going to look at that. And then it goes on to say, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now let's go to verse 11. And the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. 
And God looked upon the earth and beheld it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. It says all flesh had been corrupted. How do you corrupt the, 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 the uh, birds and the beasts? How do you do that? We're going to look at that. God had to destroy everything. Not because he was being mean. There was a reason. The seed had been corrupted. How did the seed get corrupted? Well, we know initially the seed got corrupted when the sons of men, sons of God, saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, took them as wives, and it began from there. It began the corruption from there. Now, Satan knows this. He's very, very um, uh, aware of this. Let's go back to Genesis 3, verse 14. This is talking to Satan, God talking to Satan after he had tempted Eve and caused her, you know, she sinned by eating the, uh, the fruit. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Satan, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity, or war, between thee and the woman. Okay, the serpent is a separate entity from the woman, right? He's not, he's not human like we are, right? Okay. But then he goes further. And he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. He's telling us here that Satan has a seed. The serpent has a seed. And this just doesn't mean snakes that crawl around on the ground. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, again, this was also a, uh, a reference to, say, to Jesus Christ bruising his head when he overcame him at the cross. But it implies there that Satan has a seed. Okay? Now, let's go back to Genesis 6. When, when we talk about the earth was also corrupt before God, the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Verse 12, Genesis 6, 12. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God really didn't have a choice in this matter. Because all flesh had been corrupted. All flesh, the seed, had been corrupted. How did it originally get corrupted? When the sons of God fell, saw the daughters of men, took them as wives, and they bear them, these giants, these men of old, men of renown, mighty men. The Nephilim, as how they're referred to. The, the, also another word for giants is Nephilim, which also means fallen one. Okay, now, I'm going to start this article now, and we're going to, I wanted to just to kind of set the stage there. So, just suffice it to say, if you were a reporter, coming back from Noah's day, and, and let's say, you know, knowing the verse in Luke that we just read, about as it was in the days of Noah, what would be the greatest story you would report on, coming back to the day and time we're living in now? What would be the most biggest thing that influenced society by far, no other thing could even compare. Would it might be that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair? And that the whole world had become corrupted and filled with violence as a result of this act, which is exactly what it implies in Genesis 6. But yet, this is never talked about in the churches. They call the, the, um, the sons of God the godly line of Seth. Isn't that... Come on, give me a break. That's... <laughs> That, is, that just does not pan out. How could they have bore them, these mighty men of old, men of renown, these, obviously, they were different. And why would they have had such wicked offspring if it was the godly line of Seth? It doesn't, it doesn't hold up, or pan out, in any way, shape, or form. It's an excuse. Because people don't want to confront this issue. Most, most preachers, not everyone, but most preachers don't want to deal with this issue. It's too crazy. It's too whatever. They're going to lose people. 
They're going to lose money. They're going to maybe be reproached for this. They're going to have people whispering behind their back. You know, listen, our lives as Christians are not popularity contests. I'm going to start on this article now, and uh, we've kind of set the stage here. Now, this is, again, this is from um, Ms. Morell Ministries. And this man goes on to say, Early in the morning, as I drove home from work last uh, at 4 a.m. last week, I turned on Coast to Coast AM. As I usually do, I see the topic, what they were discussing this morning. This time, it was not, as not, as not that uncommon, the topic of alien abductions and the UFO phenomenon, and how through hypnosis, abductee mothers recount meeting their hybrid babies only to have them taken away, never to see them again, was being discussed. Now, I've just said a mouthful. And somebody could be saying, oh, now he's gone off the deep end or whatever. Well, we've talked about this many, many times. Is there no validity to any of these stories? Millions of people have been abducted. Millions. Not that every one of these millions are coming out waving their arms saying, hey, yeah, look at me. I've got a great story to tell you. They're embarrassed. But when they've done private polls, it's anywhere from between 2 to 4% of the population. 2 to 4%. That's millions, just in America alone. And you're telling me there's no validity to any of this stuff? We're having all this alien stuff shoved down our throat from Hollywood in the form of miniseries, uh, movies, uh, TV series. All these, show, all these things in the paper about cloning, hybridization, they're doing it to the crops, they're doing it to the animals, as it was in the days of Noah. Everything had been corrupted. All the seeds had been corrupted. Why would Satan want to do that? Because his seed and our seed are two separate distinct things. If God created it, and we're created in God's image... He's going to try to corrupt us and to corrupt anything that the Lord Jesus Christ ever put here. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's John 1. All things were made by Him. Now, if we're created in, in the Lord Jesus Christ's image, and we remind Satan of that, and he knows his destiny's hell, and he's bitter, and he's hate, and he wants to destroy us, and he wants to destroy any part of God's creation that's good, don't you think that's what he would try to do? Is corrupt everything, including the seeds? Why do you think we have all this genetically modified crops now? Frankenfoods. Same reason. Satan is very good at what he does. And he's always going to come with some good reason for it. Oh, we need this because of this, and this, and this. Doesn't matter. You're violating scriptural principles. There is a whole host of women that have been abducted into the hundreds of thousands. They turn up pregnant. There's whole shows that they've done on this. Many of them. In fact, last week we talked about the Indigo Children and the Star Children. There was a whole series done by Steven Spielberg on the Sci-Fi Channel. Not to say this is the gospel truth, but I'm telling you, this is what they're telegraphing to us. And it lines up with the Bible. But there was a whole series done on there where these women, they turn up, they turn up pregnant after they have this visitation. Sometimes this visitation are with men that look totally human. Sometimes not. Sometimes they're taken aboard ships, things of this nature. Do you understand the UFO sightings are getting more and more and more numerous? They're starting to report it on. I saw the other night it turned it on. They had a whole armada of ships over this place in um, uh, Nevada, or it was either Nevada or New Mexico. It was right on the 6 o'clock news. More and more of this stuff is becoming more and more mainstream. And the reason that it's been like this is it's a conditioning tool to get us to when they finally come out and make this official what they call disclosure it won't be such a shock as it was in the days of Noah it's just being done in a different way in today's day and age back then I believe it was much more overt today it's being done more subtly through the media as a conditioning tool so as not to shock us too much okay 
But yeah, the other night, there was this big thing on there. You go up and, and I mean, it's everywhere. If you go up on the internet, you go up on YouTube or, or Google or whatever. You see all kind of stuff. These women turn up pregnant, and then about anywhere from the seventh to ninth month, all of a sudden, they have another visitation, and the baby's gone. Hundreds of thousands of women, and you're telling me it's all in their head and there's no validity to it? Lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The church is not being prepared to deal with this at all. And yet, so much effort is being exerted by Hollywood, by the media, to condition us for this. Isn't this something we should at least know something about? And it clearly is confirmed in the Bible that it was going to be this way as it was in the days of Noah? Before Jesus comes back? So, I'll just read, I'm going to start here again. The mothers recount meeting their hybrid babies only to have them taken away to never see them again was being discussed on this program. Further speculation is given as to who, what, where, and why this other intelligence is creating this hybrid race. And what are their future plans? Finally, it is stated how abductees are given visions of a future apocalypse on earth and are told that this is what is coming and there are emotional responses or they're measured. Many times they're taken aboard these ships or wherever they're taken and they're shown these things, these apocalyptic events to gauge reaction. They're also brainwashed almost every single time into total New Age theology. Jesus is always downplayed. At most, he's, he's a good ascended master. That's all they refer to him as. And they, what is the constant message here? I did a whole teaching on this called the ancient astronaut theory. They're telling us, these abductees, that they are our creators. They came here millions of years ago, seeded the planet. We're, the, we're their little science project. We've messed things up so bad, they've got to come back and straighten everything out. That's what they're being told. Now, on this show, this, this Taken series, by Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg um, you know, one of their main guys in Hollywood, he did this on the Sci-Fi Channel. This whole show, this whole little mini-series, is purely about... Well, abduction victims, but also women that have turned up pregnant and actually had the kids on this earth. And they're special. They're real special. They have these special powers. These special powers to inflict great evil if they so choose. They're referred to as star children. You refer, we talked about them last week. Indigo star. Now supposedly star children are the ones that are actually Nephilim type hybrids. Well, hold on. Wasn't that was what was happening in Noah's day? Isn't that the exact same thing? Sure is. Why should it be such a huge surprise? That's why I talk about this type of stuff. The Bible talks about making of yourself of no reputation. Okay? You just got to leave that aside as far as I'm concerned. Is it... Can I be 100% dogmatic about everything? No, I can't. But I'm telling you, all the pieces fit together, and they do add up. And it does seem to be coming to this, to accumulation, or, or uh, coming to a head. If we go further, it says, uh, anyone familiar with these sorts of stories will immediately recognize that the many people who claim abduction by aliens all tend to same report the same types of scenarios. I have stated in previous commentaries that it is the writer's opinion, as well as that of many credible, conservative Bible pastors and teachers and expositors, that this phenomenon is demonic in nature and related to the last day's warning given in Jesus in Scripture, in what we just read in Luke 17, 26-28. It's also said, I believe, in one or two other Gospel accounts. Now, Let's go to Deuteronomy 22.9. Deuteronomy 22.9 says, Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seed, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown, and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Now this talks about the fruit being defiled. If you sow two various 
diverse types of seed. Now, this is exactly what they're doing with genetically modified foods. They're going way beyond this. They're doing way more than sowing two diverse seed. They're combining different types of, of, of seeds together in a laboratory environment. In a very, They're trying to play God. That's what they're trying to do. But it says here that when you sow your vineyard with diverse seed, the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. Well, that's why God had to destroy the earth. Because the fruit of these unions between the fallen angels and the women, they were defiled. These giants, these men of old, these men of renown. It was not of God. And then they went on to defile other things, like the beasts and the fowls of the air. So much so that God had to destroy everything on the earth. God didn't just do that because he was just mad. I mean, I'm sure he was very mad. But there was a reason he had to do it. All the seed had been corrupted. And that's just a further further proof there. The idea taught throughout Scripture is that men, man, man is not to mix together two different kinds of seeds. The implication is the mixing of the kinds of seeds causes defilement and corruption. Okay. The most common definition of Nephilim that people immediately think of is the one um, in the King James, which is giant. Two other definitions, which are kind of alternate, are a race or a nation or an apostate or fallen ones. Okay. There's, there's no contradiction there, okay? These are just further um, things given for clarity purpose. This is the idea of the Nephilim being a race of fallen ones, or those who could not be saved. The interpretation of Genesis 6-4, that the Nephilim are half-human, half-fallen angels, makes this very simple to understand. God made a way for man to be saved from his sin, through the grace by faith in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he did not make a way for the angels that rebelled to be saved. See, they already had it made. <laughs> they already had it made. They were in heaven. That was their abode. They only had one chance. They had, you know, that was it. Therefore, a mixture of the two kinds would be a corruption and result on a fallen race. It is interesting that Genesis tells us that all flesh was corrupt in the days of Noah. What does that mean? We know that God destroyed all animals as well as all the people except those on the ark with Noah and his family. We can only speculate, but the book of Enoch, which is not scripture, but a book at least historically um, fit to, to be quoted in the epistle of Jude. Now remember, in the epistle of Jude, the book of Enoch is quoted. Now, I'm going to read to you some excerpts from the book of Enoch. I'm not saying this is canon. View this as a commentary. Okay? I'm not saying this supersedes the Bible, but let me tell you something. Reading this book only strengthened my faith in the Word of God. And clarified Genesis 6 in, in, a, in an amazing way. Now, the particular book of Enoch I have, book of Enoch, second edition, it's a blue dark blue. This particular book of Enoch is really neat because it has all the cross-references with the King James Bible already in it. In other words, when it mentions something in the book of Enoch that confirms the King James Bible, it takes you right to the reference in the King James Bible. So it does nothing but build your faith. I'm not saying it's canon. I'm viewing it as a commentary. Okay? So, let me just read this to you. Because this is very insightful and it confirms the Bible and gives us some greater clarity. Let's start in verse, let's start in chapter 15, 3, and we're going to go, so Enoch 15, 3 to 16, 1. Oh, actually, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We're going to start in chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1. Okay. This is the book of Enoch, and all the others together with them took unto themselves wives. Now this is in reference to the fallen angels. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives. And each chose for himself one. And they began to go into them and to defile themselves with them. It was, it was a, this whole thing was an abomination before God. For these angels that were good to fall and to procreate with women. They were defiling each other, in, in essence, in God's eyes. Verse 2, And they became pregnant. These are the women. And they bear great giants. 
Again, this is totally confirming what it just said in Genesis 6. But this is a little bit different because it gives us a little extra information. Verse 3. These giants, what did they do? Who consumed all the acquisitions of men. Huh. And when men could no longer sustain them. Now, think about it. These giants were huge. It said they consumed all the acquisitions of men. They were insatiable. The, the skeletons that have been recovered of the giants, and there's, there's been very many of these skeletons recovered, okay, all over the world. It's totally being suppressed in the news. It's been. Because that wouldn't go along with Darwinism, number one. We evolved from an... No, these are giants, and they were, you know, almost like advanced humanoid forms. But when they recover these, many times with the giants, they had two rows of teeth. Two rows, like one row inside another. Because they had to eat so much in order to sustain themselves. So they consumed all the acquisitions of men. Verse 4, the giants turned... Let's just read that again. Who consumed all the acquisitions of men, and when men could no longer sustain them, in other words, you have mankind being enslaved by the giants, and when men could no longer sustain them or give them enough food, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. What is always the end result of anything really super evil of Satan? Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one, child sacrifice. We can see that in the Bible. Sacrificing your seed on the mole with these types of things. Um... Two would be um, homosexuality, sodomy, as it was in the days of Lot. Well, that was going on too. Three, human sacrifice, which would be child sacrifice, but also the cannibalization of the bodies. The cannibalization of the bodies. That goes hand in hand with this stuff. The drinking of their blood, which is, which is an abomination to God. We're not supposed to do that. Even in today's day and age and dispensation, it even says it in Acts. You do not think you do not drink blood. Period. You don't do that. I have a whole sermon we've done on that, or whole teaching that relates to that blood and meat and stuff like that. So, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. Why should that be of any surprise? If you give Satan an inch, he's going to take a mile. Why wouldn't the giants want to devour mankind? Are we not created in His image? Wouldn't they want to eventually end up? Devouring us? Verse 5, And they began to sin against the birds, and the beast, and the reptiles, and the fish, and to devour one another's flesh, and drink the blood. They were doing every possible thing they could do to defile humanity and the Lord Jesus Christ's creation. Why should this surprise us? We're doing the same thing today. Through all this, gen except now it's done under the guise of science, with guys with white lab coats. At least that's what we see on the surface. Drinking blood? Yeah. Totally forbidden by the Lord. If God doesn't want you to do it, don't you think that's the, that's the one thing Satan's going to try to get to, to where he's going to get you to try to do it? Sure. So they were, they were sinning against everything. Birds, beasts, reptiles, the fish. How were they sinning against them? Could it be the same thing that we're doing today? Where we're, we're combining species, cross-species, and these types of things? These beings had advanced knowledge. Remember, their fallen angel daddies had advanced knowledge. They had been in heaven previously. It talks a lot about in the book of Enoch how they taught mankind about astrology and about the occult and, and how to do this and how to do that. This is where we got a lot of our technology from. It's, that's how we did it. So, oh yeah, it's, it says makeup too. Where does it say that? Uh, Enoch 8. I'll just read this part, just for your own edification. Well, let me just finish verse 6. It says, okay, so, um, and then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. The earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. What does that mean? Well, it's the same thing where it talks about in the Bible where, you know, the blood of Abel, the, the, the blood, the righteous blood of Abel, cried, the land cried out. His blood cried out from the land against Cain. It's the same thing. The earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. All this innocent blood being shed, all this blood being drank, flesh being devoured, everything had been defiled. It, it grieved the earth. 
verse 8, and this is, again, this is off the topic, but it's for your own edification. And Azazel, which is one of the fallen angels, they give these fallen angels by name, taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the working of them and the bracelets and the ornaments and the use of antimony. Now, antimony is a metallic ore of primary sulfur, primarily of sulfur combined with some other metal. The use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids. Makeup. And all kind of other costly stones and all other costly coloring tinctures. Why is makeup primarily used by women? To attract men. But particularly, it's used mostly, if you really boil it down, to not only attract men, but, to, but what does it do to a man? It makes them lust after her beauty. And, though, and there arose much godless, godlessness, and they committed fornication, and were led astray, and became corrupt in their ways. Samjaza taught enchantments and root cuttings. Amaralos, the resolving of enchantments. Baraquil taught astrology. Kokabel, the constellations. Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds. Araquil, the signs of the earth. Shamajil, the signs of the sun. And Saril, the course of the moon. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up to heaven. So, this is where we get our knowledge about all these things having to do with the occult, astrology, witchcraft. It originally came in here. Do you think man just figured this out on his own one day? He just got up and... No. Seems like the most plausible explanation to me. Let's go to chapter 15 in Enoch. Let's start at verse 3. This is God talking to the fallen angels. He says, Wherefore have ye left the high and holy and eternal heaven, and have lain with women, and defiled yourselves with the daughters of men, and taken to yourselves wives, and done like the children of earth, and begotten giants as your sons? Further confirmation. See, this, the cool thing about this book is that it doesn't do anything but really increase your faith in the Word of God, because it's actually confirmation. Now, where does it talk about this, this verse in Jude that quotes Enoch, okay? Jude 6 and 13. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness, under the judgment of the great day, raging waves of, of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's one of the, the confirmations in Jude. Now, let's go back to Enoch. Verse 4. Again, this is addressing God addressing the fallen angels. And though ye were holy, ye were holy. Just like Satan, who was at that time Lucifer, was the anointed chair of the cupboard. There was one time Satan was holy. Okay? And although ye were holy, spiritual, living the eternal life, you have defiled yourselves with the blood of women. The blood of women. Hmm. Good angels don't have any blood. Remember, that's kind of probably where the curse entered in. The life of the body is in the blood. And we have to get saved through the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, the angels weren't supposed to have blood. They've defiled themselves with the blood of the women and have begotten children with the blood of flesh. And as the children of men have lusted after flesh and blood, and those also do who die, and also do who die and perish. They've lusted after flesh and blood. And I believe this is probably in reference to the actually cannibalism in the drinking of blood. Which is further confirmation of what we just said. Verse 5. Therefore have I given them wives also, that they might impregnate them, and beget children by them, that thus nothing might be wanting to them on earth. Now he's talking about men here. That's what God did for us. He gave us wives, that they might um, impregnate them, and beget children by them. That's how we continue our generations. Because see, our generations live and die. And I know our spirits live on. Okay? But, the fact remains, is that we live in a finite body right now, 
And we don't live in a spiritual body. It's not like the angels that are up there and if they had, let's say for argument's sake, a million angels, there's going to be a million angels a million years from now. A million good angels unless they fall. We don't have that. We, we live, like it said, 120 years typically max. And so we have to have some way of, of, of carrying on the race. And this is how God chose to do it. Getting back to the angels, verse 6 it says, But you, meaning the fallen angels, were formerly spiritual, living the eternal life, and immortal for all generations of the world. Man, they had it made. You talk about having it made. I don't want to act like I think I'm better than the angels, but I'm just saying, I mean, I can't imagine... I don't know. It's, again, we see through a glass, but darkly. But what could have motivated them to do this? I, I mean, granted, they saw the the the, the do- It was it worth? Was it worth eternal damnation when your abode was in heaven? I, I don't know. But God gives us all free will, even the angels. Verse seven. And therefore, I have not appointed wives for you. Why? Because they were formerly spiritual, living eternal lives. They didn't need to procreate their race. Their race was already set. That's why. Therefore I have not appointed wives for you. For as for the spiritual ones in heaven, in heaven is their dwelling. They don't need wives. Now, let's go to Matthew 22.30, which is cross-referenced here. One of the many verses that's cross-referenced. All King, all King James cross-references. Matthew 22.30 says, for, the rex- for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are as the angels of God in heaven. That's where it confirms that in the Bible. So, I mean, you read this and it, it, it only like, it's like, oh, praise the Lord. I mean, this is like, I mean, it gets me fired up. So, let's go to verse 8. Enoch 15, verse 8. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits... And the flesh. Now notice that. It says the giants, which are these men of old, men of renown, Genesis 6, are produced from the spirits, the fallen angels, and the flesh, the women, shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Now this is a distinction that almost very, very few ministries make. We talk a lot about fallen angels and demons and it's all the same thing. I don't believe it is the same thing. I really don't. And there's, there's specific reasons, if you reason this thing out scripturally, I think you'll understand why I'm saying that. So we're going to look at that in the, in the New Testament here in a second. So let me read that again. Verse 8. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth. And on the earth shall be their dwelling. On the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies, it says. Huh. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies. Okay, now, let, let's do the math here. Okay, you got a fallen angel. He falls. He procreates with a woman. That thing has a spirit, but it's not a spirit like you and I have as humans. It's different. It's an evil spirit. Okay? Evil 100% of the time. There's no way around it. It's, it's destined ultimately for the lake of fire. Because God didn't make a way out for them. Because they did something that was an abomination from the get-go and they totally knew better. He didn't provide a way for them to get saved. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies. Because they are born from men... This is the giants. And from holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. The holy watchers. The watchers are another word for the the angels. That's their primal origin. They shall be evil spirits upon the earth. And evil spirits shall they be called. When are they going to be evil spirits? When they die. When the giants die. Because they're in a physical form, right? Well, when they die, where does their spirit go? It roams the earth. Roams the earth. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. So the angels in heaven who have not fallen. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. That's a punishment. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, 
destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth and cause trouble. What do you mean? Well, it says it right here. The spirits of the giants. We don't have the giants walking around right now, do we? I mean, not, not, not like it was in Noah's day. At least it's not like way yet. These are the disembodied spirits of the giants. What do they do? They afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. You ever heard of having like a demonic problem with anything? Well, these are the disembodied spirits of the giants. There could have been millions and millions of them in Noah's day. It's hard to say. Hard to be dogmatic. These are what we refer to as demons today. These are different than the fallen angels. And in here, the distinction is clearly made. There's a difference between fallen angels and demons. Or these evil spirits. Okay? They're all on the same team. Okay? They're all trying to do their master's work. Satan. But there's a difference. And we're going to go into that difference even further. So, what else do they do? They take no food. Why? Because they're evil spirits. But nevertheless, they hunger and they thirst. And they cause offenses. It's kind of like, you know, living this tortured spiritual existence on the earth plane. Verse 12. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. They hate us. These evil spirits. Well, they used to occupy a body. They proceeded from us. They proceeded from... Well, they, they, were, they were made by the procreation of a fallen angel and a woman, right? Well, these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. At one time they had a flesh body. Verse 16... From the days of the slaughter and the destruction and death of the giants, from the souls of those whose flesh the spirits have gone forth, shall destroy without incurring judgment. Thus shall they destroy until the day of consummation. These evil spirits don't get thrust into hell. Let's read that again. From the days of the slaughter and destruction and death of the giants. That's when they died. Okay, Most of them, I'm sure, died at the flood. Because who was going to be around to, to take them out? <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, Noah had to really be supernaturally protected because I would imagine they would have wanted to got him more than anybody on earth. Because to, 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 they had corrupted all the seed on the earth. He was the only seed left. left. He was the only one. God always provides a way. Praise the Lord. From the souls of whose flesh the spirits have gone forth, these are the evil spirits, shall destroy without incurring judgment. That means they're going to destroy, they're going to afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, work destruction, cause trouble on the earth without incurring judgment. Evidently, that's what God, just like we talked about last week, how the wicked are vessels fitted for destruction. They're appointed unto God's wrath. And this is God's doing, not ours. We're not being prejudiced, we're just talking about this. Well, evidently, that's what God's plan is for them. He's permitting it to happen. Thus shall they destroy until the day of consummation, the great judgment in which the age shall be consummated. This is when I believe they get um, you know, thrown in the lake of fire. Because they're going to be consumed. The consummation means to be consumed. They're going to be consumed at one point. But that's the great judgment in which the age shall be consummated over the watchers and the godless, yea, shall wholly be consummated. That's some heavy-duty stuff I just read there. <laughs> now, let's just give you some confirmation on what we just read. Matthew 8, 28. Matthew 8, 28. And when he, meaning Jesus, was come to the other side of the county of the Gernesenes, now, this is, I'm reading this right from the book of Enoch, because the reference is already there. There met him, met Jesus, two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? What's before the time? This is before the consummation, the day of great judgment. Before the time? 
That's what they're in reference to. They're well aware of their destiny. That's why Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom whom he may devour. They are miserable and wicked, and they want to take as many of us with them as they possibly can. That's the bottom line to everything, to our existence. This is the battle. If you boil it down, this is the battle. Remember, we battle not against flesh and blood. Oh, we don't. Do we maybe, maybe these evil spirits are part of the battle that are disembodied. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. What does that imply? There's a hierarchy. Well, don't you think the fallen angels would be over the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim? The the fallen angels created the Nephilim. Or these evil spirits. The fallen angels are at a higher ranking. Satan being at the very top. Because he was a cherub who was the highest of all angelic orders, most likely. There's a hierarchy. They have their army. We battle. Not against flesh and blood but against princes, principalities, rules of wickedness in high places. These types of things. That implies a hierarchy, a military hierarchy that we do battle with. That's why we put on the whole arm of God. We get on our knees and pray. We come against these things as we are in battle as a good soldier. So let's let's go back to this verse in Matthew 8.28. <clears throat> okay, so these, so these um, devils cried out saying... What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go into the herd of swine. Why would they want to go into the herd of swine? Well, it's the most unclean animal there is. You would, you would imagine they'd be perfectly at home there. Probably why. You know. If you cast us out, Jesus, just please... Cast us into the herd of swine. So the devils besought him. They were begging Jesus. Saying, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And perished in the waters. They probably drove the the pigs insane instantly. That's how powerful these devils were. Now, on the other, there, this is also quoted in another gospel, and it talks about, it says, suffer us not to go into the abyss. Cast us not, and they were begging Jesus not to cast them into the abyss, which is the bottomless pit. Now, what does that imply? That implies that he could have cast them there. It's just something to think about in your prayer life. Matthew twelve forty three says, When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man... He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Let's just go there. Matthew twelve forty three. Let's try to expand on that a little bit more. I'm, all I'm saying as a Christian, if I was you, I wouldn't show any quarter to these evil spirits. None. I'm talking zero compassion. These are your enemies. These are your real enemies. Flesh and blood is not your enemy. These are the real enemies. Now, I'm not saying they don't work through flesh and blood. But our prayer is that, you know, if it be possible that these people would be saved, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So, let's go, okay, Matthew 12, 43. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. This is the body that it was either possessing or heavily oppressing. I will return into the house whence I came out. Why does it refer to it as a house? Because that's where it dwells. It's its dwelling. Now, think about this. Here's another little interesting point. If these giants, which the book of Enoch clearly says housed these evil spirits. The evil spirit was created from the procreation of a fallen angel and a woman, which was an abomination in the sight of God. Once they're disembodied, once they're killed, what are they wanting to do? They're wanting to get back into a body because that's where they came out of. That's where they're most comfortable. That's where I believe they're tormented the least is when they possess a body. 
I believe because as they possess a body, it gives them some type of sick gratification. And in some ways, they feel as though they have to have this. It's, it's, it's where they came from. And they want to go back to it. And that's why the Bible says in Enoch, it says, they take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst. See, they, they still hunger and thirst, even though they've been disembodied. So they're mad all the time. And they're evil anyway. So imagine being totally hungry and thirsty all the time and just flat out evil. Well, that's what they are. Then he said, um, verse 44, Then he said, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. This is the demon, or the evil spirit. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. So what happens when you try to cast out a demon from somebody and there's no Holy Spirit inside them to occupy then he goeth, then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and they dwell there. They dwell in the body. They possess that person. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Why? Well, why? Because he's got, you know, seven times the demons now instead of the one. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. It gives you a little more clarification. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Matthew 5.41 Then shall he say unto them, on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, that was why it was originally prepared. For the devil and his angels. Okay, and this is this is when they they talk about, you know, Jesus, you know, are you come to torment us before the time? This is the time they're in reference to. Everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So, anyway, that's... I thought that that was important to kind of read that and, and to give a full, little bit further clarification of the commentary of the book of Enoch. Okay, I'm not saying it's canon... Saying it's a commentary, so um, anyway, uh, let's go a little bit further. Again, we cannot hold this account as scripture. Now I'm going back to the article here, but it does help to give us a little insight as to maybe why all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Now, what is man doing in creating these hybrids? Whether they are animal, human, plant, or animal, man is mixing together and creating a corrupted and defiled race. It does not matter what the percentage of human versus cow DNA, because that's one of the most current things they're doing. They're combining human and cow DNA. It doesn't matter what the percentage is. Do cows go to heaven? So imagine if you created a 1% hybrid creature, 1% cow, 99, no, let's say 99.9%. Human. 1.1% cow. Can the cow part go to heaven? That's the point they're trying to make here. You're not supposed to mix these diverse seeds. It's an abomination. Frankly, man is messing with things he has no idea about. He is in effect trying to play God, which goes right back to the original sin in the garden. When, you know, he said, you shall be as gods. The serpent said to Eve. And that was the carrot he had out in front of her. Trying to play God. This is trying to trust in things of this world when the world is fading away. Every sign is blatantly obvious. And a lot of times, the reason they, they want to put this technology out there is also because it's going to promise man's immortality. We're going to live forever. If we, can, if we can do this research properly, we're going to promise you that you're going to live forever and you'll never die. You'll never have to face judgment. That's, that's the carrot right there. Part of it. <clears throat> this is, and in and of itself, should be enough for us to, to be concerned about. But then we have this evil deception taking place involving alien abductions that fits right into the whole picture. As to what is actually taking place here, we can only speculate, but it's clearly not of God, but of a demonic or fallen angelic origin, and sounds like what took place during the days of Noah. Absolutely, and the Bible said it was going to be this way. These are things that the Lord can put up with only so long as he, as he will not sit idly by as the gene pool of man becomes more corrupted beyond a certain point. We have no idea 
right now how corrupted the gene pool actually is. I think if we were shown that, we would be absolutely amazed. Because how does Satan operate? In the shadows? In the dark? He's like a cockroach. You turn the lights on and the cockroaches scatter. This is not something right now that he's doing, or he's been doing traditionally out in broad daylight, waving his arms, saying, hey look, I'm corrupting all humanity and mankind through this. We don't really know how corrupted the gene pools become at this point. But it gets to a point where God has to intervene, as it was in Noah's day. Now granted, the end time scenario is going to be different than Noah's. There's not going to be another flood and these types of things. Um, but this is happening to a certain extent and was predicted to happen. Although this is the government's desire to track DNA along with everything else, and I think this has nothing to do with terrorism, but it's just plain evil spiritual influences leading to the moral of the beast. Now, let's see here. Probably go ahead and close this part of it out, and then we'll go to the, the next part. We're, we're going to talk about cloning and DNA and how they're trying to uh, get this DNA database and things of that nature. So, we'll see in part two.